Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the SWW Show. I'm Mike, and today I have with me a special guest from pretty much around the globe. Uh, Anton, would you mind introducing yourself and to introduce the game we're here to talk about? Sure. Hi. Hello, this is Anton from uh, Alien Studio. Uh, we are not your typical uh, game developer. We are actually a 3D and visual effects uh, studio. For, we do uh, things for commercials, for movies. We've been doing this for over 20 years, and uh, I can humbly say we are pretty pretty good at it. So uh, the story behind uh, the game uh, or behind the developing of the game uh, started uh, maybe around 2017 when we got the hands on the when we got our hands on the first HTC Vive set and uh, kind of saw the potential. Uh, so this is this this is when uh, the idea of creating our own game uh, was created, and uh, so yeah. The game is called Deadness, and I can give you the elevator pitch for the game. Uh, it's kind of a typical horror movie or game starting that you awake uh, yourself in a gloomy research facility. You don't know how you got there. You're alone. You're stuck in a wheelchair, and you have no way to defend yourself. So, so you're thinking, what happened? Uh, what happened to this place? You don't remember anything. How do I get out of the out of here? This is this is uh, something we we are aware of. Very typical for uh, most of the most of the horror games and movies. So we have uh, kind of uh, three other things to uh, distinguish our game from uh, from our competi uh, competition. What what sets us apart is uh, number one uh, graphics. Uh, we are very proud of our of uh, of our graphics and uh, the level of uh, the level of it. Uh, then there is this movement mechanics. As as, as mentioned, uh, you are a, uh, in a wheelchair, so you don't move yourself like in a typical VR game, but uh, mo you move yourself using your hands. And uh, the third thing is uh, we don't use HUD. Actually, when you uh, when you start game, you don't have any any health bars, any any uh, info, any inventory, nothing. Just you and the game. So we what we wanted to create is the is the total immersion uh, for the player. Yeah. So let's talk about that. One of the things that obviously is a big deal in this game is this. Um, how you kind of move around and are, and are strapped in this wheelchair. And I was kind of curious if you don't mind talking about kind of how the team went through the process of making sure kind of this wheelchair either felt correct or authentic or kind of like making sure it felt like what you'd expect it to feel like in VR. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the story behind the wheelchair uh, was, was kind of simple. As, as mentioned before, uh, we were... In the beginning, we were doing a lot of research. We were playing a lot of, a lot of VR games, but the movement always felt uh, felt broke. You know, I, I don't want to disregard dishonest any, anybody uh, for their work, but uh, the movement in VR was either like teleportation or moving the tra trackpad or movement was uh, limited uh, by the space and the tracking sensors. 
So we were thinking about this as a, as a problem or as an idea, uh, and the wheelchair came up. It was like you don't you don't have to you don't have to uh, move your body. You just sit on the on the uh, on the on the chair, and uh, you move yourself uh, with your hands as you would uh, on a real wheel- wheelchair. So this uh, this kind of uh, this kind of uh, solved all the problems f- for us because we wanted to create something uh, realistic, uh, something you wouldn't um, maybe your brain would forget you are playing a game. Uh, but uh, this this was this was our this was our goal. So yeah, of course uh, the movement can be frustrating uh, because in as uh, as uh, in real life, when you're in wheelchair, you have an obvious disadvantage to someone uh, with uh, with their legs working, and uh, we realize this. But uh, it also fits our story because uh, you're a patient uh, in this in this facility. Uh, you are obviously here for, without spoiling too much, uh, here for uh, some experimental cures for uh, for. Paralysis and uh, some some uh, these kinds of uh, these kinds of uh, diseases. So it it makes sense to set the player on the wheelchair. And uh, well, I don't want to spoil it too much, but uh, yeah. Uh, and also, uh, if you uh, if you uh, are uh, talking about uh, optimizing the the movement system. Uh, uh, we uh, right now the game is uh, supporting uh, HTC Vive and Steam Index systems. So uh, since this is only these are the only two um, platforms we are going to go with uh, right now, uh, we have optimized. We have uh, tested a lot uh, with different uh, players, with with uh, people from from out of uh, from uh, out of the company. And uh, we kind of tweaked it to the best possible level to still have the um, feeling of the authenticity and also to keep it uh, fun in a way possible. Uh, so yeah, but still, we are planning to uh, expand uh, the game for other systems. Uh, we would like to to uh, have support for Oculus by the end of the year, but uh, we'll see. Because uh, because the problem is that the HTC Vive and Steam Index use uh, external base stations, and uh, this is something that Oculus doesn't have. Uh, and uh, they uh, they have the sensors on the on the headset, and uh, if you have your uh, arms down as you would like control your wheelchair, uh, it wouldn't recognize the hands. So this is something we have to uh, work on, and uh, probably hopefully we'll solve this by the by this year. Yeah, that is an interesting problem, obviously, of your hands not having that continual track thing. I just think it's interesting because Oculus in their development kit just kind of came up with came out with their newer version of like the direct hand tracking. So it'd be interesting if you guys are able to crack the code down the road of like using your actual hands too because obviously for a lot of people then you could kind of get that, that wheelchair sensation almost a little more accurate from like a hand movement too. Exactly. I, I would like to try it out so we can we can figure it out. We can we can hopefully solve this problem because we are getting a lot of 
a lot of comments on Steam and or social media uh, that the game looks good, but uh, I have Oculus, I have a Quest, uh, so I would I would like to play this game as well. But uh, as I as I mentioned, we have to solve this this problem first, and then we can uh, then we can uh, support the other platforms. Yeah, but, but yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, kind of jumping down that is. One of the things I always like to talk to about VR developers is kind of what drew them into VR or like what problems do they want to kind of like solve or make kind of while, while going down this experience kind of was, so kind of two part, was Deadness your guys first kind of attempted a VR project um, kind of professionally and then kind of what, what was it about VR that made you want to kind of go down this road? So, uh, yeah, uh, as I mentioned, it was around, 2017 when we got our hands of course uh, we uh we had some uh, uh contact with vr before but the real like home kit vr was the htc htc vive uh set and uh we kind of immediately saw the potential of the uh of the, of the set and also of our skills as mentioned before we we are not uh, primarily the devil, uh, a game developer studio. This is actually our first uh, experience or first game we uh, we developed. So we kind of we, what we wanted is uh, is to create uh, an experience. Uh, you know, I'd like to showcase our our potential of our uh, 3D and uh, visual effects we create. Uh, so we made a few uh, drafts, first first levels, and uh, it kind of from that point it kind of grew and grew, and more people got uh, got on train uh, for the game. And so uh, this project became uh, a little bit bigger each each month, and uh, it, it it switched from uh, just a project, from just an experience to to a full size game. So uh, what we saw, or what we saw, uh, a lack of was uh, graphic wise uh, the uh, in the VR. There is still a long way to go. Uh, also, also, if you take uh, Oculus Quest, uh, if you take the Quest alone, uh, it is uh, not very capable of of uh, computing uh, and, and rendering realistic graphics. So there, that's why we uh, we wanted to go with the uh, Vive or the Index uh, with the five K resolutions. Uh, what we wanted to do is is create realistic graphics that would immerse the player into the game more than ever. Therefore, what I also mentioned, you have, you don't have any health bars, inventory, nothing, and uh, kind of what is what is happening in in uh, in front of your eyes is uh, like uh, the reality. We would we we wanted to experience. Uh, uh, we wanted to experience the players. Uh, what we want to put them in in our world, you know. And uh, you can have like why why VR is the medium for us is uh, that uh, you can have like 4K graphics on uh, on on monitors and uh, everything could be crystal clear and anything. But if you if you put the headset on, you are the you are um, 
well, not most, but um, the closest. Yeah, the closest is the word to the to our graphics as possible. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Kind of jumping down that is, uh, I find it interesting. So I. Th- I'm assuming you've probably heard. So the the joke in film is that the cheapest thing for a new director to make is a horror film, because just because how horror works, and then games kind of yeah. feel like that that bouncing box. A lot of ways has kind of jumped to that too of like, especially VR. It's like, hey, if you want making a first product and you like it, like go down the horror road because it takes usually like some level of less resources and things to make a good horror game. I'm kind of curious, is that what led you guys down wanting to do this kind of experience in horror? Or is there, like, other things on the team? Because obviously you're not a game team first. So I'm kind of curious why horror is the thing you guys kind of, like, jumped to. Okay, let me just check for a sec. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, uh, well, horror is, like, the... Mm, like the when you when you take emotions uh for us is uh, horror or fear one of the like top emotions so you can you can uh, uh you can really feel uh, feel the stress uh in the games it's very easy to build up uh we are aware that the uh, horror genre has been here for a long time and uh, lots of lots of ideas have been uh, reused and uh, copied all over some work some don't uh well we some some of them are are washed up but uh, we we combine uh we combined um the what what we what is working with the new mechanics uh and the new mechanic is the is the is the wheelchair and uh also the immersion level uh we also were like fulfilling our uh, homework and upholding the laws of horror and uh, we tried to create uh, some resourceful and memorable ideas that uh, will resonate with the player after uh, long after he, he puts down the, the headset. So for us, horror was like the primary choice. Uh, we are all like big fans of horror. Uh, I mean, with the games and movies. And so we drew a lot of inspiration from, uh, uh, from this uh, into our game. At least we tried, yeah. No, that makes a lot of kind of sense, and I think it's very interesting to think about that. One of the other things, obviously, is your game, guys' game, and all of the marketing for it is these terrifying creatures that that I think kind of kind of are like these things you're facing. That obviously, as you talked about, uh, you can't do anything against. You kind of just gotta, kind of just kind of use the wheelchair and get away. Where did the inspiration for these monstrosities come from? And kind of like what made you guys think? What did you guys think about while designing them? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we kind of wanted to make them uh, fit in the story. Uh, well, as mentioned before, without spoiling too much, uh, you are in a in a old research facility where there has been some uh, research uh, taking place. Research uh, regarding some experiment, ex- experimental um, uh, cures for uh, paralysis and uh, other other diseases. So uh, most of the enemies are are, are uh, either uh, staff of the of the research lab, uh, research lab, or uh, patients from the from the facility. Uh, well, 
Yeah, but uh, the 3D designers, they, they played a lot of with the models. Uh, from the basic models uh, we, we found uh, and uh, created. Uh, they played with the textures uh, like, like rotting, fr- rotting flesh, uh, missing limbs, and so on and so on. So uh, we kind of didn't want it to have like your next door zombie. So we added something, or we wanted to add uh, something extra to to uh, to these uh, creatures or enemies. Not to spoil a lot, uh, there is this one guy. He probably died uh, by by a knife to his head, and now when he's undead and he when he gets you, uh, his his dying animation or in the dying animation he pulls out his knife or the knife from his head and and stabs you with it. So we we uh, we wanted to um, implement uh, the story or the creatures into the story and wanted to make it as as real as possible. So you encounter like the head doctors or some some regular patients, but the real enemies are are uh, gonna be like the heads of the uh, research facility. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that is also the idea of him pulling the knife out of his head is terrifying. I just want to point out. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are some, maybe some, some more of it, but uh, I just don't want to tell too much. So, no, that, will that makes sense. Um, I'm kind of curious from a play, as you guys have done playtesting, whatever, of time with this, is how was the player's reaction of them being unable to defend themselves? I feel like as a player, that sounds like very stressful. And one of those things that, like, during the moment, you're like, it, I'd be curious how many people, like, got too much into the VR or like did you guys have to tone it down ever because like in VR obviously like people are gonna jump and it feels like it's happening to them so obviously not being able to defend mm-hmm. yourself is a very conscious and changes the experience a lot mm-hmm. well um, um, I mean everyone who tested it and uh, or tried it uh, he kind of knew what, 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 what he's getting into I mean, he didn't know exactly what 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 is going to happen, but he know or, or he or she knew that uh, he will be playing uh, a horror game, a survival horror game. Uh, I mean, uh, it could be pretty pretty distracting or pretty pretty frightening, but uh, well, we had some some uh, some uh, testers that uh, put down the the headset and said, okay, stop, I, I don't want to play this anymore. Uh, it was kind of kind of a, a good vibe and also uh, a bad vibe, if you know what I mean. Um, because if it's if it's so scary that pl- people don't want to play it, we done a good job because uh, we wanted to like showcase this realism, this uh, this horror, this fear, and everything. And uh, this is what we are proud of and what we achieved. So I hope people like it. I know it's uh, it's not. Not for everyone. It's not for the uh, faint of heart, but uh, for those who, who like horrors, I, I think they will like our game, and also they will enjoy it for uh, for the sake of it. Yeah, that's always that must be like that weird line of where you're like, I want it terrifying, but I want people to play the game. <laughs> of like, obviously, there's that funness of like, if it's too hard or too terrifying, just people go, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> um, yeah. I- it's 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 the sense of the of the horror game, but uh, as I was uh, first as I was playing it for the first time, I also was very very frightened. I was like peeking behind every corner, but uh, 
uh as you as you kind of uh proceed in the game you uh you also like feel a little bit stronger uh you um, as a character you kind of evolve so uh i think it was also um okay let me put it like let me put it like this um it's uh first you are uh, unable to defend yourself and then uh, it's it's the logical thing to do because you woke up as a patient you feel weak uh we wanted to create uh, the feeling uh real uh, real close to the real experience so you're not not born terminator or rambo or, or you don't go there guns blazing on one or one man army you're a regular human being and you do don't do this uh crazy stuff that you see on tv or in the movies So we wanted to feel the player weak at first. Uh, he he awakens from uh, whatever procedure he 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 uh, took part in. He doesn't remember anything. He's in a wheelchair. He's afraid. Of course, he's he's gonna rather hide or run as as to fight. But slowly, you will learn. Uh, you will adapt. Uh, you will have to adapt. <laughs> uh, you will have to outwit your enemies. Find, learn their weak spots. Uh, how to how to avoid them. And uh, I think you could saw it in the trailer, and I can say it. Uh, there is uh, in the later part of the game, you will get some uh, revenge. Uh, some some chance to get a revenge on some some enemies. So yeah. That is that is yeah, interesting. Um, so let's let's kind of jump into the obvious thing. I would hold you would end with is, as we were talking, it is the tail end of February. I am curious, uh-huh. kind of, if you guys have gotten any further or announced that I didn't see, um, any more potential release date for the project, or is it still sometime soonish? Well, uh, actually, it's uh, it's tomorrow, uh, February twenty second. So, so I want to put on, uh, on your Steam page right now. That does not say that, and I'm I, I am blind, apparently. Okay. <laughs> I, I scrolled down now, and I see it in the announcements. But like, I was just kind of looking at your like release date, and I'm like, it still says February. I, that's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we can we can uh, we can say it's out now or something like that. So it's basically as you guys hear this, it'll be out now. Um, how okay. much is the game selling for? Whatever currency you know on top of your head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your uh, target audience is uh, mostly North America. Yeah, mostly USD. Um, but if there's some dollars, okay, standard, okay. yeah, I could obviously switch it or whatever. Sure, sure. Uh, so, do you want me to start from beginning or? Uh... Yeah, go ahead. Right ahead. Okay. So, as we speak right now. The game is the game is out, uh, so you can you can uh, go get it on uh, Steam and on the Vive port, and uh, it's gonna be on Steam. It's gonna be twenty four ninety dollars, and uh, there is a there is a opening discount, twenty two percent. So uh, I think it will be something above twenty dollars for for the game. Perfect. Well, I want to say thank you, Anton, for taking time out of your day to come talk to us. Obviously, we had our fun back and forth scheduling stuff. So I'm glad we were able to work this out. Um, and then best of luck, and obviously everyone go check it out. It is Deadness on Steam, or on... Is it just on Steam, or is it also on... They, they, there is no store for HTC, right? It's just Steam. Uh, yeah, there is. Uh, it's Viveport. Viveport, uh, okay. 
Yeah, so Vive Point or on the Steam store, as you said, is Deadness. You guys are Alien Studio if you're looking for it. And then worst case, obviously, as I tell anyone, if you even don't buy the game, go wishlist it. It still helps all of their fun numbers. Anton, anything else we should tell them on the way out? Uh, sorry, what? Else that we should tell everyone about the game on the way out, or we could. Um, I think I think we we we're we're good. Perfect. Well, thank you. This episode is partially brought to you by the Humble Choice Program. Did you know Humble Bundle has a great monthly subscription service that lets you get a ton of video games every single month? That's right. From plans range from five dollars to twenty bucks a month you get a hold of a bunch of free games they have available to you. And you can use our code down in the description below to go and sign up. It would help our podcast and help you see what great games are available for you this month. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to one of these interview episodes of the SWW Show. I'm Mike, and today I have with me a special guest from decently around the world. Uh, so t- to get us started, do you mind introducing yourself and the game we're here to talk about? Sure, I'm Jirai from Klausi, uh, which is a small farming, cute, wholesome game uh, developed by uh, five people from Madrid, Spain. So yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. Nice. So I got. I want to start, because obviously Klausi, as you said, is a very uh, cute-looking, kind of like, reminds me a lot of, like, we've had these kind of, like, very interactive, like... Mm-hmm. farming or world type things and i'm kind of curious what where did this idea of this kind of come from was it like you guys were playing around one day and you thought this would be something like that popped in your head were you playing ammo Crest? like where does like kind of your idea to t- kind of take your take on these types of games come from mm-hmm. yeah um when we uh well the first of all i, I kind of feel like i need to put some context here so uh, we started developing the game basically as our like final year project for our university, um, and so when we were like thinking what we wanted to do with the game, uh, all of us agreed that we wanted to do something like uh, to kind of like relax and distress from all the stuff that happens in life. So uh, we kind of went fast to something that was like wholesome and pretty, pretty much relaxed. And uh, from that point on, we started like looking. Through games like Animal Crossing and Slime Rancher and Ooblets and all the kinds of games. And we started like developing a concept that we liked. And yeah, we ended up with this like Cloud Daker thing that uh, kind of like um, mixes elements of all those games that we liked and uh, just pu- puts them in like a very positive and like reinforcing context. So it's basically like a world full of positive inputs and uh, a place to relax and just cool off. No, that makes a lot of sense. So I want to follow up on something to make sure I understood this right. So this, is, as you said, started as like a senior capstone game in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious, so I went through a similar process of like, because my degree is in game development, and I'm curious kind of how did that kind of work look from the transition of going from the game exist kind of the game being like built for college versus becoming like Steam and professional ready kind yeah. of. Like I'm, I'm very curious, like, I'm assuming that was a lot of work just because obviously code bases and, and teams and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was very, very messy. Like, um, uh, basically when we were doing like the, the project just for, 
for college and, and stuff, uh, we were focusing on the stuff that we needed basically to have like a good grade and just pass college, you know. And so we couldn't develop too much time into doing stuff that we thought could make the game uh, good and more interesting to people, you know, to put it on like Steam and another um, um, pages and stuff. And so when we finished college, we basically um, went like took a, a step back and, and thought, okay, what do we want to do now with the game? Now that we have like full control of <laughs> whatever we do, uh, what do we want to do with it? And we changed a lot of things. Like we uh, really did a big, uh, big uh, hundred degree turn on uh, on a lot of stuff, and basically, yeah, had to change <laughs> a lot of things. Had to change perspective a lot in in many different things and the way we worked and a lot of stuff. And yeah, but in the end, it kind of took like the turn it needed, basically, because otherwise <laughs> it wouldn't have been like a really fun game. So yeah, we I, I think we took the right decision. No, I can I can imagine. I'm I'm curious, kind of, just just kind of, and we'll get into the finer details of the game in a second. Is mm-hmm. would would if you compare to this game to the original game that you guys started from, kind of in that experience, would would people recognize them as the same game? Or at this point, would you think like even though you guys feel the core of the product's the same, like it's way different experiences and looks really different? Um, I think it could be recognized, like basically because the main artistic uh, style and stuff has not changed that much uh, like it, it improved a lot but it didn't like change drastically um, but gameplay wise pretty much no it's like uh, it was very basic back then back then and was uh, uh, too simple you know you could do a couple of things and uh, it, it worked for like uh, half an hour and that's that, that was okay but the, the core was very different was a lot simpler when it was too simple, you know. And so, yeah, you could recognize it, but not too much. <laughs> it, would, it wouldn't be the same experience, definitely. That, that's very interesting, because I've always found that, because obviously I think the largest known scale of, like, when games go from, like, a capstone product to, like, a professional game, obviously, I think, is Octodad. It's kind of like, is that, like, is that, like, examples? I'm always curious to hear those kind of stories. But let's, mm-hmm. let's kind of jump into the core of this. So as we said, um... This is a game where, uh, as you as it says in your quotes, is your the first day dedicated to clouds. Um, I I am kind of curious if we if you don't mind, kind of. So mm-hmm. let's let's say as a new user, they kind of walk in this experience. Can we go through that like thirty second minute gameplay loop? Kind of, well, what is it that you you do here? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, basically, like the first thing uh, when you jump into the game, um, you can. Create your character and customize it, and then you have a, like a little tutorial that explains the very basic of like movement and a couple of uh, easy controls. Uh, but like where the crawl loop starts, basically you get uh, a quest from uh, from any of the NPCs in the game, and they basically ask uh, ask you to take care of their clouds. So uh, these clouds can have many different ailments or, or issues. Like they can be angry, they can be just hungry, they can be sad, they can be confused. There's a lot of different ailments, and you need to go out into the world and gather different materials and different ingredients. And with them, you need to cook meals that uh, you're then going to give to the clouds and uh, try to make them feel better. And it's kind of like a process of having to try different meals and trying to see what works uh, for uh, these types of clouds and what doesn't work for these ones. And so, yeah, 
that's basically once you get the cloud to be happy again, you send it back to its owner, and then you can get another quest, and you can go and get some optional quests, and you can just go out in the world and explore other different and optional stuff. So, I'm I'm curious, kind of. So obviously, as, as we talk about the clouds, that's kind of the whole concept of this. Why why were they clouds that you guys made them versus like other types of like even like animals are a very common thing or anything like that. What kind mm-hmm. of stood out to you guys about like this idea of making these anamorphic clouds, or as we call them? Yeah, um, we wanted to mainly do something that was like different. You know, we, we didn't want to because um, even even today, when you see our game, um, the first person that comes to mind to a lot of people is is a slime rancher, and so we wanted to do something that felt more different. You know, to Kind of avoid like being compared to a huge, uh, very good selling game that's amazing, uh, but has like a lot more resources and and, and people behind. So I wanted to kind of like uh, differentiate from from those big games and um, yeah, we, we like the idea of clouds. I think it was some sort of like brainstorm process. We just started like thinking of random stuff and and I don't know. We all like clouds and we started doing some concepts and. It looked very cute and, and good, and yeah, <laughs> it it just felt nice, you know, because uh, it's something, I don't know, it's something very, like, typical that you, people know and see every single day, and... and oh, yeah, no, I do, the same... I do like the clouds. It's a very, I, yeah. It's one of the things that stood out to me, I think, kind of when looking at the game originally, is is that uh, it being these kind of things that you just want to expect, especially kind of, like, how... Mm-hmm. Um, I almost say like emotive they are, and and how much you kind of just kind of see about them. Um, when you guys were kind of going through them and stuff, is there obviously one of the things in a game like this would be like having them have like distinctive or memorable personalities? How how kind of was that process going through of kind of determining what these clouds would be like? Yeah, we like. Uh... Thought we had the different like process of thinking what we could do like from different uh, types of or like uh, motions that basically portray the clouds, you know. And so um, we started trying different things, and we didn't like what we were first trying. We were trying like I don't know, like stuff like a cat cloud and something like that. And so uh, these kind of mixes, and we didn't really like them. And when we like thought of doing like emotions, you know, like basic emotions, it felt really good because it felt like uh something very basic but like um also something that you can really um you know like empathize with you know because the, the the cloud is sad and you like see its its little face being sad and we're like oh poor thing you know so we like that we thought like okay people can like emphasize with it uh very easily and and feel bad for their little thing and try to go get something to make it feel better and stuff so yeah it was something fun Nothing yeah, I can, I can imagine. It feels like whoever had the option to, like, really sit down and kind of do it, a lot of it, like, kind of just feels like something that, like, it would just become this fun thing of, like, how do you make this feel more alive? <laughs> which, yeah. is, which I, again, always is that balance act of, like, how alive should it feel versus, like, how, like, like how much of a, like, not alive, because obviously these aren't real things, and you guys have a limited amount of resources, I think is a valid way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so let's kind of let's kind of dig in a bit too. So obviously, there's a bunch of those clouds. I'm curious, is there one of those or two of those that stand out to you as like a favorite type of cloud, anything like that, or ones you've seen? Yeah, there's uh, there's a couple that we really like. Um, 
to me personally, the the nervous cloud is one of the nervous clouds, one of the most fun uh, because uh, it's very different from the other ones because it's basically like a whole rainbow that's constantly changing, and uh, it's also fun because uh, of how it appears. So uh, most of the clouds basically uh, change state when some something specific happens. And the nervous cloud gets nervous when you feed them too much tea, which is one of the very basic foods in the game. And so <laughs> there's uh, we found like a, a couple of people that like to spam a lot of tea to their clouds and like feed them a lot of it, and then uh, expecting you know to like okay it's just, it, it's going to be okay. And it's like no, you can you can drink like three cups of tea all in a row. It's like too much caffeine. Caffeine like it's going to be bad for a cloud. And so it gets nervous and they like freak out a little bit, like, oh, what's what's going on? So that's I think that's one that's very fun, and also probably the one that's confused because basically the one that's that's confused, uh, you can't see uh, how much food it needs to to be okay. You just have to try until it's it's good. So it's it it creates a bit of chaos, but it's also like fun to deal with. I think. So that reminds me of something I'm actually curious about then, obviously. So we're talking about these clouds, and obviously you have emotions, and you have to, as we used to talk about, like, kind of respond to them. How, mm-hmm. what was kind of the thought process behind kind of that balancing act of being somewhat obvious of what the cloud wants versus when you see a new cloud and you're just like, they're crying, and the player has to blindly be like, okay, how do I solve this problem? Yeah, so... um we can do like a a, a, a big curve uh, on this. Uh, so basically, the, the first very first clouds that you you have, uh, the game hints you very hard what you need to do uh, to make them feel better. And the like most basic ones, uh, the food that needs that they need to be to be okay, uh, it, it, it like says this food cures this state and stuff. And when you get to like the later clouds uh, that that are a bit more complex. They require more steps, and they may go through different phases until they are happy. And some of them need like very special thing that there's a type of cloud that doesn't only need food, that also need toys, and you need to put them toys so they can play with them. And yeah, it, it's basically like a curve of uh, in in the beginning we're, we're telling you very specifically what you need to do so that you can understand it and then be able to experiment a little later on when you need to do it. That's that's very interesting that that kind of that that balancing problem. Did you guys have problems kind of when you were testing the game early on of like where you were either too direct with players and they got annoyed or the other way around and players just felt like lost? Mhm. Yeah, we've had like uh, a lot of issues with uh with that because uh, being in like a exploration game where it's one of the main key factors and we want people to be able to test things out and just get in that mood of like exploring and trying things. Uh, it was difficult because that's something that some people like and don't pe- some people don't. So uh, we kind of had to test it out a lot and ask many different people trying to find like a, a thin line between of having, giving a bit of information and so that people that don't like to explore too much and that just basically want to know what to do can do it. And that people that just want to explore and don't want to know too much also can enjoy the experience. So it was a very tough line to walk, and I think I think we did okay, but it's probably something that could be could be better. 
Yeah, I'd definitely, I'd definitely be one of those players. I feel like there'd be moments of like, I like the idea of a puzzle. And then very quickly, I'd be like, nope, nope, no puzzle. I, I want to be yeah. told what to do. Especially, yeah. especially in a game like this, where it's like, so much of it, as you said, kind of the idea of like, it's purposely this like fun, playful world. Like at a certain point, my brain would just be like, okay, I'm supposed to be relaxing now. But then I have to like, yeah. think they're very hard. And it's like, at what point does it stop becoming kind of this relaxing thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect, yeah. So as we are talking, uh, the game has mm-hmm. been out on Steam for roughly four-ish days or so. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious, obviously, because first, congratulations on releasing a game that is mostly positive on Steam, which obviously Steam reviews help a ton. Yeah. Um, I'm mm-hmm. kind of curious, is there stuff that if as people get into this game or stuff, is there kind of like future updates they should be expecting or is this game kind of kind of what you're getting is kind of like this complete kind of wrapped experience um i mean we definitely want to do some content updates and it's something that uh we we have planned and uh, uh but it's also something that it's a bit tough uh because uh basically we need to um uh, we need to have enough people playing the game we need to have enough community to be able to do this content, uh, new content uh, uh, patches and adding new stuff and basically making it work. So we do want to do them, but I I cannot promise at this point uh, if we are going to be able to do them. Uh, we're obviously going to be fixing uh, issues people have, but adding new content is something that we hope we are really uh, we really hope we are able to do. But we can't really say at this point. We need to wait a bit and see. Uh, how the game is... So you're telling me is if more turning. people buy the game, I understand. Everyone, if you yeah, want more content, have... keep buying the game. That's kind of the... the yeah. That's how this game... Like, that's how this game works a lot of times. It's always like, the, you're yeah. like, we have lists for years. It's, do we get to them? Does it become a combination of, like, economically worth it versus even artistically, at what point do you want to leave a project? Like, it's always this fun balance. Um, do you guys have a team, at least internally, you don't talk about it yet, have plans for what could be next post this experience or are you guys still kind of running through those plans no we we definitely have stuff that we really want to do because uh when we were developing the game there were stuff like we had ideas that we liked and and some of them we could do uh we could squeeze to do them before the game release because we thought could benefit the experience a lot but some of those we liked and basically were too big to implement at the time and we just had to like put them apart and say, okay, if we are able to do something new, then we're going to do this because we want to do this. So yeah, there's definitely things we we think can be really cool to the game. But yeah, it's going to come down a lot to yeah, have enough community and people playing it, basically, yeah. Perfect. Well, I want to say thank you for taking time out of your evening to sit down and talk to us. Uh, to kind of close us out, I'll give you kind of mm-hmm. the floor if you want to make your closing pitch for the game where people can go find it, all of that fun stuff. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so basically we released uh, this Thursday. The game is available on Steam, available on Epic, uh, also Itch.io, even on PC, and uh, Switch, and Xbox. And yeah, if you have, uh, I don't know, any doubts, you want to tell us basically something like, you like the game, you didn't like the game, uh, we have a Discord server that it's on our on our Twitter, it's uh, at TinyMoonTeam, tiny or Twitter. And, uh, yeah, if you want to just tell us anything about the game, you want to, I don't know, have any doubt, uh, we're very active on there, and there's a lot of really nice people who can also tell you how to solve some stuff. So, yeah. 
Perfect. Well, again, I want to say thank you for for sitting out and, and talking to us. Again, if people want to go check it out, as we said, the game is Clousy with an exclamation point on Steam or any of those storefronts, at least for Steam and I think for Itch. Go wishlist the game. Go keep an eye on it. Um, whether it's you now or for you down the road, it will always help with more visibility. And again, best of luck to you on the team on, on your future endeavors <laughs> as you guys wrap up some stuff in this game and move on to whatever's next. Uh, and best of luck and take some time off, please, because I'm yeah. well, at the end of a launch, you're like, so, yeah. I just need to sleep for, I don't know, a year, five, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. This podcast was a production of The SWW Show. To learn more, go to theswwshow.com. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter at The SWW Show. You can follow me at Mikey underscore Maroney. You can follow AJ at Boy. Remember, new episodes premiere on Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time on anchor.fm slash SWW and podcast services around the globe.